walk behind you coming along in chains. They will bow down to you and pray to you. And they will say, truly, God is with you. He has no peer and there is no other God. Yes, you are the God who keeps hidden. Oh, God of Israel, you're our deliverer. And they will be ashamed and embarrassed. Those who fashion idols will all be humiliated. Israel will be delivered once and for all by the Lord. You will never again be ashamed or humiliated. For this is what the Lord says, the one who's created the sky. He is the true God, the one who formed the earth and made it. He established it, and he did not create it without order. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and I have no peer. I am the Lord, and I have no peer. I, I have not spoken in secret in some hidden place. I did not tell Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I am the Lord, the one who speaks honestly and who makes reliable announcements. Gather together and come, approach together, you refugees from the nations. And those who carry wooden idols know nothing than those who pray to a God that cannot deliver. Tell me, present the evidence, let them consult with one another. Who predicted this in the past? Who announced it beforehand? Was it not I, the Lord? I have no peer. There is no God but me, a God who vindicates and delivers. There is none but me. Turn to me so that you may be delivered, all you who live in the earth's remote regions. For I am God and I have no peer. I solemnly make this oath. What I say is true and reliable, surely. Every knee will bow to me and every tongue will solemnly affirm and they will say about me, yes, the Lord is a powerful deliverer. All who are angry at him will cower before him and all the descendants of Israel. Lord, we say even in this room this morning, the great vindication, the great vindication of our, of, of our Lord, of you, that you will be vindicated among the nations. And the great boasting in you, that we boast in you, Lord, is upon us. Have your way with us this morning, Lord. Have your way with us. Amen. Sit in darkness, oh, 
rejoice not against me, O oh enemy, and when I fall, I shall enemies they consume themselves who is like my king he who rules with compassion and love who is like my warrior he who rescues me he will avenge me and it's only a little while darkness oh, rejoice not against me your enemy when I fall I shall
on a hill, a strong tower. With which I hide Oh, you are my strong tower, God Oh, you will hear us You will hear us You will hear us Oh, your ears not deaf To the cries of your children
gave yourself to know me. Who is like our God? Who can compare the strength, the majesty, and the glory of our King? Who is like our God? Who is like our God? Who is like our God? What science can undermine Him? Oh, what thoughts can undermine Him? Even the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. Oh. Mm. Who is like him? Who is like him? Who is like this king? Oh, bloodied and beaten, raised to victory. Who is like this king? from your judgments, God. Oh, come judge. Oh, come judge. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and judge us, God. Oh, come, oh, come. Judgments are true and right. Oh, judgments are true and right. Oh, there is peace and safety in your judgments, God. darkness rejoice not against me you enemies when I fall he will lift me up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher the Lord is my Testament, um, when David brought the ark in, it was actually an order of worship. 
So you had David, who was the king, worshiping before first. And then you had the elders of the tabernacle that he had appointed coming in second. And then you had the doorkeepers coming in third. Now the doorkeepers were the Levites who were set to watch the doors of the temple. But now on this side of the cross, we are the temples. There's no actual temple that we go to. We are the temples. Therefore, you are the doorkeepers. Therefore, the order of worship that God had set up is threefold. It's all of us. It's not the guys on stage. It's not the one person, you know, going crazy in one part of the audience. It's all of us. So I just encourage you to, to keep opening up. You know, in Psalms where it says, open up you doors, open up you gates. I encourage you to keep opening up because you are the doorkeepers of your temple. Us here on stage, we might usher in the presence, but the presence rests on y'all. The doorkeepers, that's where the presence rests. So just open up. I just keep encouraging you to open up your hearts and open up your minds because when the Lord shows you something, you need to be obedient. Because literally obedience is what breaks the back of the enemy. And sometimes it looks stupid and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it looks amazing. Sometimes it sounds amazing. Sometimes it sounds horrible. But I just encourage you to be obedient. When you worship the Lord, to be obedient. To sing out. To be prophetic. To speak those things that aren't as though they are. You know, being prophetic, it doesn't mean you have to wait to get the spirit all over you and shake and tremble. It means you foretell. It means you speak out the word of God. You speak out the Bible, what God has said, the promises of God. You speak it out and you agree with it. That's what it means to be prophetic in worship. That's one of the meanings.
Tune our hearts, God. Tune our hearts. We want to hear you, God. We want to see you as you are. Not our idea, but who you really are. Not our idea of God, but who you really are. Oh, oh. I want you, God, not my idea of you, God. I want your kingdom, not my idea of your kingdom, God. I want you. Just as you are, tune our eyes and tune our ears. Lord, Jesus, you kept saying to those who have ears to hear, Lord, to those who have eyes to see, Lord, I want to be that person, Lord. Open my eyes, open my ears. Lord, I repent of those things that are blocking and clogging. Lord, I repent for my selfishness. Lord, I repent for thinking I know how it goes, thinking I know what you're going to do. Lord, I repent. I repent for my independence in believing that I can worship you however I want, Lord, when it's true that you already showed us how we're supposed to do it. Lord, I repent for my independence, God. I repent for my independence. Lord, I depend on you. I depend on you, God. Lord, come and save me. Come and save me, God. You are my high tower. There is none like you. There is none like you, God. There is none like you, God. There is no one who is as strong. There is no one who can love to the depths, Lord, of my soul. Oh, God.
is like the thunder it's rolling through the land he's the lion of 
breaking off the fear of man. He rejoices, he rejoices over us. Oh, and he rejoices, he rejoices over us. And he rejoices, he rejoices over us, over us. And he rejoices, he rejoices over us, over us.
rejoices, he rejoices over us. Oh, are you going to join in the dance? Are you going to join in the dance? Oh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, are you going to join in the dance? Join in the dance. chapter 1 verse 2 my brothers and sisters consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect work let it have its perfect effect in you that you may be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. Count it all joy. I'm gonna count it all joy when I'm slung into trials for the testing of my faith. I'm gonna count it all joy when the enemy comes against us and relationships begin to hurt. I'm gonna count it all joy. There'll be no deficiency in us. There's no deficiency in the bride. I want your endurance, Lord. I want joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah, I'm not deficient in anything.
voices over us, over us, over us. He rejoices, he dances like a top over us. He spins, he spins, and he spins. He rejoices, he rejoices. And I had thought for years, you know, when the pressure and the trial would sit out there in front, and I'd find myself seeing the pressure, the trial, and I felt my soul draw back. Yeah, because time and time again, and time and time again, the trial would present itself. Time and time again, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, run into it. Don't shrink back. Don't pull back. Don't pull back to retain your own life. Hey, but lose your life for his sake in the gospel, and you will find your life. You'll find it on the other side of the trial. Yeah. And some of you, there's a healing for you here this morning, a healing touch of, from Gilead to give you vision like this, like Paul and Silas had. Paul, we can sing the song of Zion in the middle of my trial. Yeah. Oh, the prison doors will blow open. Yeah. Oh, we are not those that shrink back. We won't shrink back, Lord. See, this is where we go. We make a commitment to you, Lord. Yeah, I want more. I'm not running away from my adversity anymore. I'm going to run right headlong into it. Oh, this is where the boldness was in the early church. Oh, give boldness, Lord. Give boldness, Lord. Oh, make us courageous, Lord. Let us go all the way. Oh, jump off the... Jump off into the knowledge of God and risk all for love. Oh, we were made for courage. Don't draw back.
it's kind of like it goes vacant for, for a bit and you'll feel it kind of pull back. When it does, in the first round, I believe I understand this from the Lord, the word begins to deal with our what, what we what we identify ourselves with. Um, then you'll feel the worship begin to accelerate up again. Um, and the word will begin after that. We'll go back down usually and you'll experience a who. Most people cannot deal with that. A lot of people in this world can't even deal with a what. Not being defined by what they do. For you, you come into this space and you've been dealing with a who, your very essential being. Uh, in the form of the what usually is the masculine. Usually when men come together say, what do you do? Right? And shake hands. It's kind of the first off thing usually. Uh, I've tricked a lot of people out on that because I said a question. And it's because the definition of yourself as a man is that's what makes I measure myself according to yourself, and I'm measuring myself. And we know that Paul says not to do that. Those that measure themselves among themselves are not wise. So God deals with that wisdom, the what. Then we get into the who. That's usually a feminine quality. She Women will usually get together on being. Men get together on doing. That's just the nature. So you have a masculine and feminine quality. Another way to say this is the what is the form and the being is the matter. We would say, what's the matter with you? Right? Because there's a matter issue. It's a being issue. Okay? So when you're in this worship set with us, the what... Psalms 110.1, this is going to give you a little extra framework. Psalms 110.2, the who. Psalms 110.3, the why. Uh, you're in the why am I. Uh, Rafi brought this attention our teacher one time in prayer, and I said, isn't that profound? Why? Now, in the why, both male and female deal with this. So what, who, now why? Why do I exist? Anybody here have to ask that question or it's been in your heart? That is a very painful place to go to, let me say. Now, the reason why I want to congratulate you is you're sitting in a worship set that is pressing you into that environment and you're coming through it. It will run people out of this room because very disconcerting to your sense of self. Unless... And let me say this, and I'm not saying everybody runs out of this room is like this. Please don't hear that. But that pain in the human heart because of the fall is very difficult for most people to process. It's deep because it's related to what happened when Adam and Eve fell. And we, because we were born into sin, that question is very, very deep inside of your human consciousness. What you're allowing the Lord to do, though, is say... And he said this a couple weeks in the worship, stop asking why. And here's why he says that. Because before the fall, man lived out of the objectivity of God in relationship to them. But when man sinned and woman sinned, they became the object. Mankind became the designer and the idea of what their life should look like because they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So man began to decide for himself what he should 
do and why he should do it. What he should do, who he's going to be, and why he does what he does, or she. When you allow God to determine your life, you're letting him answer your why, your who, and your what. And that will locate you into a where. A where does he want me to be? And Paul said, I live and move and have my being. You see this? He knew his what, his who, and his why. It was determined by him. Paul was saying 127 times that I may be found in him. He will write that we may abide in the mind as he is in we, that we would be in the light as he is in the light. And he talks about being in the vine, right? But see, let me say this. When you allow God's determination, his double determination, when you allow this to begin to happen in your life, and he becomes the designer and the definer, he receives glory for that, and glory brings satisfaction into you. The great lie of the age is that you and I would go and design and figure out our own life, especially in a Western mindset, and be your own individual. And it's the greatest lie that can be the deception. Now, this is a deception that's being perpetuated upon our age. It's not like people say, oh, that's sin, and that's sin. And and yes, those sins are deceiving, but the greatest deception, the greatest deception that will deceive anybody is that my what, my who, and my why is defined by me, and I didn't even know who it. When you get in the presence of the Lord like this, you're giving Him permission. So when the vacancy goes, and you feel a void in yourself, and you say, I trust you, that's what you're doing. And... Every time you do this, your mind, you're taking on the mind of Christ, and the circuitry of your brain is being rewired. It's called sanctification. Peter said, take on the divine nature. And this is why I want to encourage you to show up every time you worship set. Because this isn't like something, I mean, you can get this in your homes before the Lord. But you want, you want this in your life. You will be transformed. And I'm going to just be very honest with you. What we're seeking in this ministry is that we would run so far out in Him that an explosion of life is going to hit. And you're going to get it and we're all going to get Him like that. Even if it hasn't not he hasn't knocked us unconscious to rewrite the circuitry. He can do that. And, and I want to be really upfront with you. We're asking the Lord to bring a great awakening. I want to be upfront. We're asking Him, can we posture, can this group, can we posture our heart and go on in, in advance to a culture that has no idea what we're dealing with here and you and I have been put together for? Can we go on ahead? Can we run the depths of this to such a capacity that God will come in among us and cause a light? I have so many promises of this coming, I'm not backing off of it. I don't care what it takes. 
because he's worthy, but man, he deserves his inheritance yeah. Yeah. and his people. Yes. He deserves it. And look what he's done for us. So when we say, when he says, watch and pray, go up a second time. Come on in. Don't back down. Be bold. Be courageous. Come on, church. Because God will put pressure on you. But go into the depths of God's love together in a corporate encounter. He did this at Pentecost. In a corporate encounter, he came. And he's coming. His presence is among us, but power is coming, is what he shared with me. My presence, yes, I am with you. And I will give you rest. He tells me this, that he will do this for you. He'll take care of needs. He'll take care of your homes and settle your issues and everything. Don't push your mind on all of that. Keep your mind fixed on him. And then Moses will say this, show me your glory. Come on, let us be a people like that. Yeah. Eyes off the things of this world. Get your eyes fixed on him. And go after him. Every week, let him be this way to you when you're in your household. Because he is God of the mountain here. He is God of the valley in your home. Love one another. Love one another. Seek to love one another. Give of yourself. Let every week be like this. Let the privacy of your life be completely given under him. And watch what he'll do. So sometimes you're dealing with this, I'm dealing with this. God is bringing this, Right? The what? The who? The why? We call it the triple entendre. I got an email this week. If you don't get our emails, please talk to my wife in the back. Kara, raise your hand, Kara. Talk with her and get our email. I wrote one up this week. It's called Parachoresis. And it's the divine dance. Psalms 110.4. Oh, man. When? And I don't know if you're dancing... In your heart, some of us, I'm sure, we had four men in here last week have an encounter with the dance. It's the parachoresis of God. It's the functional subordination of God to God in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in complete love with one another, full submission, and it causes a spinning. Um, this ministry is beginning to spin. We're in the beginning days of this, but when it begins, it'll spin. And it's God's love saying, yes, yes, yes. I say yes to your what? Yes to your who? Yes to your what? I say yes. Psalms 110, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Your form, the form of you and the matter of you have united. And what will happen in the human soul, when the light comes in, it it's eternal and you can't take it. And that's what happened to King David when he brought the ark of God in. Steve was mentioning it earlier. Uh, you said this this morning. I heard the word say this right before you said it. We, the ark of God is coming into this house. And I don't know how many dances it takes. And I don't know what it takes. But we are after the ark of God. When the mercy seat sets down corporately. Oh, oh man. Watch them convert in mass. They will convert. Your loved ones will convert. Your friends will convert. They cannot take a like this. You know? So in 5 and 6 in Psalms 110, 
becomes the declaration. And so we go through intercession in the first three verses. Then it points a chiastic pattern that goes into a point. And then in the last three verses, the last two, that's when we do declaration. We didn't do a lot of that this morning on declaration. Um, and then Psalms 110, 7, he shall drink by the brook in the way, and there he will lift up his government. So God's throne is settled. Every week he'll tell me, I'm satisfied. And I was like, if you're happy, Lord, then we're happy. You know, we want you satisfied. We want whatever he wants. Amen? All right, let's take an offering. Jesus, thank you for the blessing that you bless us with and that we can. You give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Lord, give us the wisdom to know what's seed and what's bread to make sure that we sow our seed because it brings back a harvest, Lord. I pray for that wisdom over this house this morning. Pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would reveal to us what it is even as we sow into this house that we're sowing into transform culture and transform life. So I, I pray, Lord, that you would give us that wisdom as we give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. You
Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Collect no more than is required for you to collect. And then some soldiers also asked him, Well, what about us? What should we do? He told them, Take money from no one by violence or by false accusation, and be content with your pay. The people were filled with anticipation, and they all wondered whether perhaps John could be the Christ. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clean out his threshing floor and gather wheat into storehouse. But the chaff, he will burn it up with inextinguishable fire. Let's pray. Jesus. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your promise. Praise text will become alive with us this morning. Set us ablaze with your fire, with your Holy Ghost fire. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. notice with the text this morning is, is sort of apropos for what I was saying earlier. What is the first thing that they asked John? A what question. What shall we do? And because God begins to answer through John <laughs> how to deal with society and in the, in, in the present day culture of their day, he addresses uh, a number of different class groups of people. And so, first of all, he, he addresses the person. Um, the person being, I, I would say, any of us in a generalized way. And he says, it's in the person. He says, if a person has two tunics, go share with the one who has none. The first way John begins to address repentance, okay, is to say, and I, I believe I hear you, Lord, and this is, uh, we picked up from last week, but don't go holding on to the image that you're invested with in your outward appearance. You know, we, we say, you know, someone can say this is a social justice initiative. And I, I believe that while a justice initiatives are good and we're not necessarily against them per se, I don't know that it's primarily a just social justice issue. And again, I'm not I'm not against giving to the poor. I think we see that Jesus isn't. But there's something that he's after, I believe, in this text, John's after this. A little bit more deeper than just give what you have to the poor. And I, again, I'm saying we should bless the poor. Don't don't get that wrong. I mean, Jesus will say that when Mary and Bethany, I believe, pours oil on his feet. And you could use that money for it. That's like a, 
feel like what a royal waste of money, right? And he says something that's very interesting and inoffensive. He said, the poor you have with you always. Let me just say this. One of the great end time strategies of the Antichrist system will be social justice. It will be humanism at its core. It will not be Christianity, but it will sway a whole entire uh, class of people out of a humanistic ideology. It says this. The end of all being is the happiness of man. And let me tell you that that is an utter contrast to Christianity. Now some would say, well, Carol, I mean, doesn't God want us to be happy? Well, we are satisfied. We, yes, we experience joy and we experience Him, but not as a prime product, but as a byproduct. Personal happiness, which is secondary to joy, is a sub-aspect of our relating to Him, like we were talking about in the worship this morning, or the debrief, right? But a primary orientation towards a humanistic ideology going on mission. I mean, churches do this. I'll tell you, it, it can be even antithetical to the gospel because it's based in the needs of another human being. And that may sound really strong to come from a pulpit and say that, but we are not to be led by humanism. Actually, humanism, I would say, is a Luciferian doctrine. I don't think when John is saying, take your tunic and give it to another person, that he's just go give it to the poor. I think what he's saying, if I hear the Holy Spirit right, is allow your image not to be defined by your outward appearance. Whether, whether that outward appearance is left-leaning or right-leaning, because I, you know, I can put on the nicest clothing. I can put on the most degraded look and come up with that. And I can still be just as in my understanding pretentious, right? Where I'm gaining my approval based on my outward appearance. And allowing myself to be sort of defrocked as one level. Or unclothed, so to speak. Not like that we would get naked like that. I don't mean that, but that the image that was born into me from the fall had, uh, was so subpar to the righteousness of Christ. He's saying, hey, look, repent of putting on an image. And here's the best way to do it. Offload some of that image-bearing thing that you define yourself by that has caused you to be pretentious. You're What? But there's a deeper issue, you're who? The Lord wants to get at this, and I believe that the great end time move of God will be a people that have went beyond the what, the who, and the why, and He's glorified. I believe this. I believe this is what we are actually after here in this room. So I'm saying, Lord, help me to quit holding on to my image. Well, then he gets in. He gets into another class of people, the tax collector, and, and they come to be baptized. And they said to him, "Teacher, what should, what, what, what 
what should we do? And he told them to let no more than is required to. Oh, this is, oh man, uh, this will step on all kinds of people. So sometimes. You know how it is that you can work a manual to, well, in finance. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever been guilty of this or done this, but there's a way to manipulate people financially. You can, you can lean left and, oh man, I'm struggling so bad when I'm going to make it, and you got to let it be known. Or you can be like, I'm the cast pajamas, and I said, I got something going. And somebody's like, throw some stuff at them, you know, because they're amazing, and then I'll be amazing because they're amazing, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But someone's strutting around, and we've seen it. I, mean, I don't know if you watched some of the videos of people throwing money on the stage, and I mean, we've seen it in the dark side and in the so-called new self, well, I call it the new self, it's on a lot of platforms, throwing the finances at them, because man, if I do, man, I do great like them, and it's just for philosophy that's in the background that really is manipulative. Yeah. Do you know how dangerous that is? Zechariah chapter 13, I'll tell you how dangerous it is. The prophet says that he wore a horrid cloak to deceive. And he said, he said, he said, no more in that day will the prophet wear the horrid cloak or the hairy cloak to deceive. But he'll say something, he'll say, I'm no prophet, I'm a husband. I've been a tiller of the ground from my youth. He said if he prophesies falsely to see God's people, his own mom and daddy would want to would strike him through and kill their own child. Because he prophesied falsely, because there'll be such a you don't want to be in the prophetic and have a deception going on between God and his people. It's a dangerous thing. Yeah. Even Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, is like a thorn of Satan was sent to buffet him. The Lord is keeping him humble so he don't get into pride because, man, there's nothing like when power comes and money comes and things come that happen and how it can affect you. Yeah, right. We don't even know how we'd be affected. But just take the lottery, for instance. They say 75 or something percent of people who win the lottery are completely broke. Within a year, they can't handle it, right? Just take that if you don't understand human proclivity and nature when you put power on someone. So these guys, the tax collectors, they have, these guys, these tax collectors, they were Jews. These guys, man. Also, they had to disconnect from the temple precinct because no, the synagogue wouldn't allow them in. They had to disassociate from their own family. Um, and basically, they had to be a complete outcast so they could go rip off everybody. This is a pretty, this is, a, this is how low they went in their own society so they could pack their pocket and build their nice home or whatever. And, and so they're saying, well, what do we do? They'll, he doesn't tell them, don't be a tax collector. It's really interesting. Because God's not like, doesn't say don't pay your taxes. He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And render to God what is God's. So he's not like anti-tax. 
And that gets a bunch of people upset too. He doesn't say quit being a tax collector. He says do not collect any more than you're required to. Don't manipulate people for money. Don't manipulate and do not use your, I'm amazing. Throw me some goods. You know, I'm the best at this and I'm the best at, I'm the worst at that and working the angles, right? Why? Because he's getting at mammon that's in our human heart. He's getting at mammon. Uh, the soldier, he said, uh, well, what should we do? He says, take no money by violence or false accusation. So the soldier's like a, he's like a, another level. <clears throat> when he says by violence, he says, don't go oppress people to get your finances. And also, don't do it by perjury. Don't get in the court system and work an angle so you can pad your pocket. Man, this is happening everywhere. You know, I'm blackmailing you. Kind of thing, because I got the goods on you. I'll take you down. Perjury, manipulation, or I'll tell you what, I'll bring the rock fist down on you if you don't give me your money or give me. That's another level of the tax collector. Because they had weapons. And, and he doesn't tell them, don't be, um, don't, don't quit, quit being a soldier. Quit providing defense. He tells them, be content with your pay. Now listen, listen to this. Contentment with godliness is what? Great gain. Say it again. Great gain. Have y'all ever heard anybody preach on contentment? Oh, I won't take all your warning. But I want to tell you something. Contentment is when there's vacancy. And you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. And you say, I bless you, Lord. Yeah. It's also contentment is to have a lot. And you say, I bless you, Lord. Contentment is like this. It's kind of like not even noticing your checking account. Yeah. Contentment is Godward. Contentment is a state in the heart. Contentment is a sense of, Solomon will say this, give me neither riches nor what? He said, I want to get my eyes on you and it's all I want. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, it makes no difference to me. I just want to be with you. Yeah. Contentment with godliness is the greatest gain you'll ever have in this life. Get your mind off of mammon. <laughs> He's saying be content with whatever God himself has predetermined to be your lot in regards to your finances. Yeah. For some of you, a little bit. For some of you, it may be a lot. Who knows what he's determined, but we let him determine. We're not trying to determine this ourselves. We're saying, Lord, I want you to determine this for me. Again, for some of us, it might be, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. I'm so pleased. The other one might be like, I got enough meals for everybody. I'm so pleased in you. I'm content. I've found my satisfaction. Him. Yeah. He found it. <laughs> the 
They were filled with anticipation. They wondered, this guy, man, he's preached such a time. He must be the Lord. And this is what really gets me in the text this morning. He's not. I mean, he's getting on to the big issues and problems with all the culture, and he's getting at it, and they're repenting. And these people are like, man, I'm done with that, I'm done with that, I'm done with that. He preached up. I'm done, baptize me, I'm out, man. I'm into him. And, and uh, he says, oh, you think this is something? <laughs> you think experiencing the presence of the Lord is something because he's bringing in this presence of the Lord because they're throwing off all this stuff now. He said, wait till the moment. He's coming. I'm baptizing you in water. But one more powerful than me is coming. I'm not even worthy to untie his strap on his dirty sandals. You think what I'm preaching is something? Wait till the Son of God likes the place of. Yeah. Oh, man. You think this is something? You think the depth of this is getting at something? He shows up. He's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost fire. I mean, a lot of you in here, you know what it is to go through long seasons of repentance and you've been through the dark places. And that's just John's baptism. Yeah. And we haven't really witnessed 
this is probably in our age. Maybe they did it at Azusa Street. Maybe some of the other revivals. Maybe that we've seen a witness of God's person. Jesus coming into the room. Some of us have heard great stories. But let it not be a story to us. Let us make history together. Yeah. Let's stand together.
that carries our eyes by loving you and being loved by you. Oh, for the warmth and the fire of your Holy Spirit to come in and love us and us to love you.
flight of aircraft that I was going into that 15 strike eagle because you failed to you failed to spin up. And God got me just like that. And it blew my my profile was over and I thought, thank God I made it. You know, it's like that. It's like God's like, let me take this away from them. No! Let me put them in this trial. Let me, let me do this to you. Somebody says something, threatens you or does something. Oh! I don't have any money to pay for anything. Oh! I'm going to be embarrassed. Oh! Somebody's going to get mad. Oh! I'm going to be sad. Oh! I'm going to be offended. Oh! They don't like me. Oh! And then all of a sudden you get this and then you're like, Ah! I want you! Forget it! And then you're like, Thank you for a higher. Tell her you love her. Also, this morning. 
Thank you. 